Hello, and welcome to Your Living Autopsy, a podcast dedicated to helping you dig in and unpack what's going on within so you can live your very best life. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Ashlyn, and welcome back to Your Living Autopsy. Last week, we looked at your body. I told you how much I'm currently struggling with mine, and I asked you to take some time to write down and think about what your struggles are too. Ever since I told you that, I've actually been doing better with my body. I've noticed myself passing the mirror and not feeling disgusted, or as disgusted, not having that immediate thought of gross, or feeling defeat. And I've been hiking every day here in Aspen, feeling stronger each time I reach the top of Smuggler Mountain. A sense of self-love and pride. And I don't know if anything's actually changed in my body, but my mindset has begun to shift. And that's all I can ask for right now. I thought about you all week. I know the subject of your body is a tougher one, especially if you've had some issues of control around it, especially if you've had trouble in the past or in the present, linking your worth to it, especially if you don't like what you see. So how are you doing? Remember, I would love to hear from you if you need to reach out. This week's step is all about patterns. The definition of a pattern is a combination of qualities, acts, tendencies, etc., forming a consistent or characteristic arrangement. Think about that for a moment. Patterns can be good, like a balanced diet and a healthy workout regimen, good skincare, things like that. But there are a lot of patterns that aren't so good. And they can hold you back from, well, being you. And the worst part is, a lot of your lesser patterns might be all but undetectable to you at the moment because you've had them for so long. So that's why we're looking at them. In a real autopsy, this, again, would not be a technical step. But I like to think about patterns like a bruise on your body that you keep rebruising. As for me, I can't seem to avoid door frames. My elbows are like freaking magnets to them, no matter if it's a double door or a closet or a porch. I have bruises on my arms so often they have become a part of my look. I don't have to clip my elbows on door frames. I could just slow down, but I do. I do clip them. It's a pattern, albeit a fairly harmless one. Well, I guess tell that to my arms, but you get what I'm saying. Get out your notes and let's go ahead and get your juices flowing. How many patterns can you identify right now, just off the top of your head? They can be good or bad. Just write whatever comes up. Okay, good. Now I'm gonna pull topics straight from my divorce and breakup courses. 
Here we go. Let's begin with family dynamics. We've already discussed the people in your life in step two of this podcast, so you should be able to identify some patterns fairly easily. Thinking about your family right now, are there any patterns you can detect? For example, you slide back into a particular role when you're around a particular person in your family. Maybe you're quote-unquote becoming just like someone in your family before your own eyes. Maybe your communication skills are sucking with your significant other, just like your parents and or his or her parents. You get the idea. Write down whatever pops up. This is just for you. All right, let's move on to jobs and career choices. What have your jobs been over the course of your life thus far? After you write those down, notice if you see anything similar about them in terms of how long you stayed, what type of jobs they were, are, I guess, how you left, for example, if you quit or got fired, laid off. There's nothing wrong with a pattern in your job, by the way. Not unless you see that you haven't really gone for it like you promised yourself you would. Not unless you realize that your jobs and career choices are contributing to a lack of self-confidence or self-worth. Not unless you are seeing something you want to change. Then the pattern is not so good, but it is good information. Our third topic, friend relationships. Write down all the friends you can, the ones who stand out, no matter if it's a current or one from the past. And you don't have to write them in order. Just whoever pops in your mind, write it down right there. Looking at who you wrote down, notice if you have a type of friend. Maybe it's a kind of personality or a physical type. Maybe they all share a mutual interest or background with you. Maybe you wrote down a lot of people, maybe just a few. No matter what it is, consider why that could be. If you have a revolving door of quote-unquote best friends, what do they have in common? What is the common denominator? If you have only a handful of friends, is that because you haven't ventured out? Or is it because you have and realize you would so much rather have a special few than a big crowd? Just like every other step in this process so far, no answer you have is wrong. No answer you have is better. It's just information. Next, we'll move to romantic relationships. Now, we will have an entire episode on your heart in step nine but we can start here by looking for patterns. Just remember to have these notes with you when you get there so that you don't have to do all this over again. All right, write down all your boyfriends or girlfriends, your wives or husbands, your crushes, anyone you can remember. You know the drill by now, so go ahead and look for what ties them together. Just like with your friends, it could be a personality type, a look, the length of your relationships, tendencies they had, how you felt around them, who broke up with whom, communication styles, 
confrontation, the physical relationship you had with them. When I did this, I was a bit stunned. I would have told you that I didn't have a type because all the guys I dated were so totally different. And some of them were, I guess. But in my 20s, I definitely had a type. In post-divorce, I definitely had a type. And it was the type that ended with me feeling like I wasn't really wanted. This isn't because they were bad. They just weren't right for me. And since I forced them to be in my mind, I was devastated when they didn't work out. This awareness truly helped me find my husband, Marcus. Because once I realized who I was attracting with that mindset of my 20s and 30s after my divorce, I made it my mission to take off my blinders and open my eyes for the first time in a long time. Without that, I'm not sure I would have given Marcus and I a chance. It was such a long shot kind of thing, what with living in different states and the fact that I said I probably wouldn't ever move and I did anyway. I probably would have just been like, nah, he's not my type, right off the bat, without even knowing if he actually was. The thing is, he's the type I should have been looking for all along. And I'm super glad that I got here. If you're struggling in your love life right now, I highly recommend you look into this one with a lot of honesty. If you have a pattern, it won't stop on its own. You will have to right the ship with constant awareness of who you're attracting and who you're not even giving a glance to. Otherwise, you will find yourself in the same relationship over and over again. Different name and face, same relationship. Obviously, I know this from experience. <laughs> not to get heavy on you, but we must for a second, and it is worth it, I promise. Our next topic is about substances, drugs, alcohol. If you don't consume alcohol or never have done a drug or smoked a cigarette or blah, 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 you can skip this one entirely. But if you do, or if you have, think about your experience with it. Write down anything you recall. Have you had times where you've noticed a rise in consumption? or frequency? If so, when was it? What was going on? How often has that happened? If you struggle with substance abuse, do you remember when it started? And are you back on the wagon or teetering? All right, moving on to a few other topics. If you've experienced perfectionism, write about when it gets the worst. When it started, if you can remember, and what it's over usually. If you have anxiety, when did that start? Do you have panic attacks? When do they typically occur? How often and what form do they present themselves? If you have control issues, when do you have them and why do you have them? You may not know, but see if you can figure it out. What does your control look like? 
And when you're thinking about this, consider as much of your life as possible. Sometimes patterns are hard to detect right in the moment, but when you look over a good span of time, they sort of, you know, show themselves. Body changes happen to everyone at some point or another, but can you find a pattern within yours? Stress-related, grief, breakups, jobs or location changes? What happens when you have a body change in your mind and in your body itself? What do you usually do when you are sad or angry or uneasy? Do you curl up and stay home all day? Do you eat more or less? Do you head to the bar all night and prefer a crowd? Or do you prefer being alone? Do you need someone or something to numb you? Or do you let the feelings wash over you? Other side of the coin, what do you do when you're happy and want to celebrate? Do you curl up? and stay home all day, Netflix and chilling? Do you want to be outside? Do you want to stay in bed? Do you find you want to tell everyone? Invite people into the celebration? Toast with a bottle of your favorite whatever? Maybe not tell a soul. How have you normally handled conflict in your life? Do you run from it or do you attack it head on? How have you handled rejection in your life? Not just in a romantic setting, but all aspects. Do you build a wall? Or you just keep letting yourself get knocked down? Do you start hating that person or thing or industry? Or do you just run all together? Never look back. Never even consider being a part of that ever again. How would you say the way you handle rejection has seeped into the rest of your life? Do you trust easily? Or do you make people work for it? I have asked you a lot of questions in a very short amount of time. And... While they might be quick to answer, you might know what to say, it might not be as easy to wrap your head around what you see as a trend. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I don't know your answers. You might be asking what you can do with all this. Well, I can tell you right away that the extremes are not going to be the best option. Dwelling on it and twisting your insides into knots, that's not good. And pretending you didn't see what you clearly just saw is also not the best idea. So to finish out this loaded episode, I'll just leave you with a few tips. Again, this is coming straight from my courses, so if you have one, this is not a new strategy for you. Each pattern is different from the next, so we need to approach it a little differently each time. If you're noticing that you have addictive tendencies or disorders or chronic anything, really, anything that could be detrimental to your overall health, like anxiety, compulsions, like overexercising, 
depression, anger, overeating, undereating, binging, and purging, I encourage you to seek professional help right now. Stop this podcast and head over to the resources page and make a decision to help yourself. The link is in the show notes, so you don't have to go very far. And remember, there is no shame in seeking help. Do you hear me? There is no shame. Getting proper help is probably the bravest thing you can do. Someone out there has been through what you're going through and can help you get through it too. You're not alone in it at all, and I am personally happy to assist in any way I can. If you discovered a pattern in relationships, whether it be family, friends, or the romantic ones, you probably need to address it in some way. That doesn't mean you literally cut off all contact with someone difficult, although you might discover that that is ultimately the best option later down the line, but rather decide to be present in your options. If you need to repair something that can still be repaired, consider reaching out and asking to meet and talk. If you need to let something or someone go, but you can't exactly talk to that person anymore, I always like writing a letter in my journal that I don't intend to send. Getting those feelings out of your head can help you not only find some closure, but it can also help you clarify what's been swirling around in your body for however long. And if your pattern is in the choosing part, maybe think about making a checklist for it. For example, if it's a romantic relationship and you typically don't notice the bright red waving flags, you might want to write this list down for later. One, what are the flags I see? Two, what are the flags I see but wish I didn't? (laughs) This one was big for me. How do I feel in my gut? Do I feel prioritized and valued and seen and heard? And lastly, do I water myself when I'm with him or her? Or do I feel more like myself? You get the idea. Your list can be tailored to you. And in fact, you can create checklists for pretty much anything. If you have a pattern of limiting beliefs, you need to scrutinize what pops into your head, what comes out of your mouth, and what sits in your soul. And this takes some practice because limiting beliefs are pretty strong. And they've probably been there for a long time. So whenever you start a proverbial sentence with, I can't, they'll think, I shouldn't, I'll fail, I didn't, or I should have, Stop and scrutinize it right in the moment. Ask yourself, is it actually true? Is it a fact or just something disguised as a fact? Simply meant to keep me on the same mental track I've been on for forever. And remember, just because it's familiar, it doesn't mean that it's correct or true. Our final strategy for today is journaling which you know is close to my heart. (laughs) Journaling is always a good way to begin to deal with your patterns, I've found. And I know I've said this before, but writing pulls stuff up you might not have ever noticed held a lot of real estate in your body. Just like writing a letter to someone, 
You can have more of a dialogue with yourself as you write and see how you truly feel about stuff. If you have a pattern in your relationships, I would suggest this tool before you talk to that person. It might help you organize and help you prepare so you don't just bleh right in front of them and wish you could take some things back. I've also been there as well. None of these strategies will cure you or fix your problems outright. But it's a start, and that's way better than not starting at all. And you might feel like you have a lot in front of you, but it's important to remember that it's all happening, it's all real, but it's not you. Your patterns are not you. They are things you can change. They are things you can rewrite and reroute so you can have a better life on your own terms. Next week, we'll talk about traumas and crises. Before I go, I want to thank my dad, Dan Huff, because he created the music for this podcast and it's awesome. And I also want to remind you that I would love to see you join us for our mini course on getting unstuck coming up on Zoom. For more information on the time, head on over to howtomoveonandbehappy.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're getting something out of this and I know it will only get more interesting in our next step. Until then, I'm Ashlyn and this is Your Living Autopsy. And remember, today is done, but tomorrow is up for grabs. You got this.